Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're excited to be here today with uh, Robbie Law from Posture. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me, man. This AJ is cool, and I Robbie. just both st- sat up straight yeah. in our seats <laughs> with the posture because posture, uh, we feel really self-conscious about yeah. our terrible posture, but luckily we're off camera. <laughs> and something cool about Robbie too is we went to grab you to bring you into the podcast studio and he's out on his unicycle. One wheel. Wheel thing. My unicycle. <laughs> what is it called? I don't it's know. What one it's wheel. One wheel. It's the one wheel. I know. Okay. I just love the visual people got right there. So yeah. I'm just out on a unicycle. The one know? wheel. Oh, okay, there guy? we go. <laughs> no, I was out on my one wheel. I had some, some time out there. You got some cool terrain out here. It's fun. Yeah. Very cool. You wouldn't let me ride it because I was going to crash. No, I've heard about you, man. I've heard about your intensity on a mountain bike. And I've this is from a guy who's super intense on a mountain bike. And he's like, this guy was crazy. I'm like, he's your version of crazy? I'm like, man, this guy's You're nuts. talking about Brian, aren't you? Brian, yeah. Yeah. And Brian Case. And so, like, the one wheel, I was literally thinking, I'm not letting Jake touch this thing because <laughs> don't I don't even want let me look at it. <laughs> yeah. We'll be sitting in a it's podcast. A I'll, I'll look over, and Jake's got like road rash all the way up his Jeez. legs and arms. I'm Listen. like, what happened? He's like, ah, just another day biking. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Some people are being crazy. That young, Jake, I remember being that young. Some people are crazy, and some people are dumb. I just don't learn. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear the 30 second elevator pitch on what you're working on with Posture. Awesome. So Posture is a consulting firm and we offer coaching, consulting, and we do events. And I primarily help speakers engage with their message so that they can engage that message with their audience. So a lot of times I'm drawing out a message from an expert, a CEO or a founder, sales message, some sort of message to help them raise money drive revenue, and then do that from stage. So I teach them the tactics and the tools to be able to sell from stage. I've been in the uh, world of being on stage for 20 years. I've done over 5,000 events from stage, so I kind of have a knack for that, and I love doing it. And so I'm, I'm at that place where I'm, I'm doing the thing I want. So they say that, you know, um, all the studies online, arachnophobia, you know, being scared of spiders is the number one fear. Public speaking is number two, but you've got that dialed in. That is not your fear. Is that right? Well, I can't say that I started that way. It was definitely not something I was born with. People ask, like, was this something like you've always done? I'm like, no, I was like a shy person until I got around my group of people. But I know that there are specific practices that you can follow to get comfortable. And then once you're there, man, it's like it's the greatest feeling ever to be on stage and have a whole audience with you and really have that type of fun environment. So. You can almost step into persona or step into character kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, I, I was asking a former client yesterday because uh, his name's Brian DeVille, a great guy. He's runs this big event, and he's, he asked me to speak at his event, and there were 1,200 people, and he goes, you know, some people, you can tell they're up there on stage, and they're, they're there kind of for themselves. And then there's those that you watch them, and they're there for the audience. He goes, you're a performer. You love to be there for the audience. And that was like the best critique that I could get from a client because – I really am there no longer standing on there going, what can I get out of this moment? Because it's hard not to do that, to really be like, I'm going to stand up here and get the, the value out of this. I'm going to raise money or whatever. But to go, what does the audience actually really need that I can give them to really align with the value that they're looking for? Because, man, sitting in events with sucky speakers it's so lame it's the worst. There and it's like ooh, it's the worst you know especially when they start the meeting as the MC and they don't know what they're doing and you're like what are we in for you know and so i respect that moment well enough cuz i've done it so much that i'm like let's make this fun for you let's like let's not make this a, a chore to sit in those chairs but actually get the value because we've also been in the events where a speaker's up there and they're engaging us so much we're like so into their message it drives change in us And we go, oh, I mean, how many times have you ever sat like, I mean, think of church even. You sit there and you hear something someone says and go, man, I want to change. I want to make a difference. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you get this energy and just go watch Tony Robbins for like five minutes, man. Sit in there. And then I was exhausted at Silicon Slopes, man. (laughs) Like, can you imagine him though? Dude, dude, like fifty years of this, and he's still up there, like running around. He's got to be, yeah. He's got to be drinking five-hour energies, like ten of those, before he gets on stage. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. He's got such an internal drive, though, because you watch him for two hours, and you can feel. Well, I don't know if you guys do, because I've been in the event so much that I'm like, I know exactly what he's doing all the time, so I'm always tracking him, 
because I just love watching great speakers. It's like, you can tell, like, look at my energy. I get so excited about it. So, but, but he's got this plan. And when the energy in the crowd starts to wane a little bit, you can see it. And he's like, all right, what do I got to do? I go right to my tool belt. And he goes, I'm going to do the clappy thing. I'm going to turn the music up. I'm going to turn <laughs> the thing on. And then all of a sudden we're all standing up and we're going, okay, a second ago I was really tired. And now I'm standing up and high-fiving my neighbor and, you know, doing some weird, like, back-to-back, or I mean, a role play with them, you know, some... It's always something that he has in his tool belt to drive the crowd's energy because he knows that it sucks to sit there with sucky speakers. It's terrible. Yeah. So I like to step in there and go, all right, let's make this fun. So I'm actually, I, I had an event with Stacy Harkey and it's like, come out to this thing to teach people how to be funny, man. Just so that we can like not sit there and be bored with what you have to say. <laughs> and he is hilarious. He, um, Studio C, right? I yeah. mean, there's nothing else. Rem- uh, that's a good reminder yeah, of those days. He's, your, he's, his, uh, <laughs> he's, our, so, he's my spin instructor, too. <laughs> the gym. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's so funny because we're there like, <sighs> you know, just dying, dying, right? And he's he's making us laugh. And we're like, don't make us laugh. We're trying to be focused here. We're trying, we can't even breathe already as it is. So he's oh, great. I love him, man. I've had yeah. such like few interactions with him because I've just met him like a couple months ago. But I remember watching him on Studio C with my kids for so much. And it was so nice to have... You know, something I could trust my kids to be able to watch that I was like, oh, this is not so bad. It's clean. I didn't do this, you know. And Stacey's so funny. And then I started watching them on Instagram because social media is here. Like, we have to accept that. And some people do it well. And he's so funny, man. He's on Instagram doing these funny things, but he does some of his, like, his things from his events where he'll do the biking thing and he's got some chant he's doing or some wig he's wearing <laughs> or something, you know, and I'm just like, man, way to make it fun for the crowd. That's an example of having a spin cycle class where you just spin and then a spin cycle class where you want to show up every single time because you're like, this is going to be fun too. You know, that's what Stacy does. Yeah, his classes were, I mean, wall to wall. They were booked. And I don't think he's doing it so much anymore. I haven't seen him teaching for a while, but... Um, those were fun classes. I mean, you get done and you are just dead. Not because, not because it's like you said, the energy that he, he's almost on stage then, right? Because he's pushing us and making us making us go faster and up and down and all this stuff. And he's laughing, making us laugh the entire time. And then at the end, you get done. You're like, that was an hour long of of horrendous workout, but we loved it. You know, yeah. how did that happen? Ah, so awesome. you're, you're exactly that's right. What, that's what an engaging instructor does. You know, and sometimes it's with humor like that and it's it's engaging, but it doesn't always have to be that. Some people aren't that way. Like I could never be like Stacy Harkey. He is just so unique. But I can definitely be like myself and continue to develop whatever works for me to keep the crowd engaged. And it all goes back to what do I how do I do that? And we don't teach people crowd engagement. And yet how often does like a CEO or a founder have that opportunity where now in front of a group of people that they can, maybe even they're just talking and there's a group that suddenly surrounds them and there's eight of them. And now they're in the moment where eight people are hearing their pitch as a founder and they go into this (laughs) and plus we have these things and they don't know where to go. Like they don't have like the skill set to go, this is what I have. This is what we offer. This is why it really impacts the market, and this is how you con- you contact me. <laughs> you know, like that part, that's the part that people fail with Yeah, is the call to action. The call to action. Like, yeah. what do I do? I, go, I get up there, and then I give them the pitch, and then I finish and go, and that, that's, I'm done. I don't have any more slides, and they walk off. I remember a guy, <laughs> I remember a guy doing that one time, <laughs> and it just going, that's your clothes? What? I don't have any more slides? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, you've just had your chance in front of a whole group, and it's not just the group. When you do it right, the group becomes your message, your messenger. They go out and tell people, oh, what about this? What about that? People don't realize the reason, the value of being a good public speaker. Like if you hear Warren Buffett talk about this, he, there was a story where he was at like Columbia University. He was talking to business students and he goes, I'll pay you $100,000 for 10% of your income for the rest of your life. He says, but if you go and take a class on public speaking then I will double that and I'll give you, or I'll give you 50% more, $150,000 for 10% of your future income. So he's like, I'll invest more in you if you know how to public speak. Because Warren Buffett knew that those skills would be needed for that founder in that moment when they didn't know what to say. In that moment when they're a leader sitting in a room with a group of people and they've got to know how to facilitate a conversation. 
that's what public speaking really is. And so Warren Buffett knew that because he was on the tail end of his life. He'd been through the ups and downs of being a founder and an entrepreneur and trying to build his things. I think he mostly had ups. I don't know if Warren Buffett had downs. Like, <laughs> I'm sure like, there were a few. I don't know. He was living in the same house in Omaha like his whole life, you know. So he may, maybe had never downs. But anyway, so but he had already figured that out. And he's going to these students saying, I'll give you more money if you go and learn about public speaking because he knew that that was a skill that they were going to need forever. It's just such a necessary thing. And yet people avoid it because it's this number two fear. Like I've, go Google it, it's the number one fear. Arachnophobia, I don't know where you're seeing that. Oh, I, <laughs> I'm sure the studies change all the time, I know, right? it's like, which study are we going to guess? And yeah. all percentages are always made up anyway. So Listen, it's I'd like, rather squish a spider than get on stage. So, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I feel like people are like, I got a little bit more control there. You know? I, but I get up on stage and I forget my name. So, yeah. let alone like, the call to action. <laughs> well, yeah. and that's just it, Robbie. Like, where where do people go to really get that good education? I mean, you're saying follow Tony Robbins and some of those things, but, I mean, there's got to be more to it than that, right? Well, I think, first of all, people have to understand what that is. Like, there's a difference between a one-on-one conversation and a group conversation. You're using groupthink versus a one-on-one. Groupthink, you have social pressure and social proof. And I know we've all felt this, where there was like one question, we're in an investor pitch meeting, and everything's going, and the investor's nailing it, or the, uh, the founder's nailing it. It's like all the people are interested, and we're looking at them going, man, this is a product we want. And then you get that one really smart person in the back raising their hand and goes, what about this? And then the founder doesn't respond well. And then suddenly it just slowly goes down. And that guy's one And the credibility's fear. gone. Credibility's gone. That yeah. one fear suddenly becomes a fear for me. And I'm going, oh, wait, I didn't think about that. What are the other things I missed? And it's like these things that they don't think through before they walk up on stage. They don't prep for. They don't know what objection blockers are. They don't understand all this because they're not thinking, oh, I'm going to you know, talk to a group. They're thinking, I'm talking to one person. I got to get that investor. That investor is influenced by the person next to them. And they got to know how to control this that and how the whole response goes because the moment you get this hand raised in the back that you can't handle and you don't know what to do suddenly the whole thing falls apart and you're like man that investor pitch turned into nothing and it could have not gone that way had you just handled that moment but they they think okay i'm good with the one-on-one i've got the pitch down i know where i'm going to go but they don't know how to facilitate and that's just like one aspect of what they need to know but how do they learn it you got to practice. You got to get in the situation. You got to learn how to, you know, get in front of the people that you can when you can. Take the free opportunity, take the free speech, take the free pitch to learn what people are going to ask. And man, you better write that stuff down, man. I kept a sales journal. I've given over 5,000 sales presentations. Like, I call myself a speaker because nobody knows what a platform speaker is. A platform speaker is when someone gets on stage and sells something. That's group think. It's totally different than one-on-one. And that's one of these distinctions we need to make is when are we doing what? When we're a platform speaker, there's a playbook, man. I watch Tony Robbins and go, checkbox, checkbox, doing that, he's doing this, he's doing this. I know exactly what he's doing the entire time. Everyone else is just involved. And I'm involved too because I know and I believe in what he's doing, but I'm also aware of what he's doing. I understand he's using NLP, he's using calls to action, he's using trigger points, he's using emotion, he's understanding how to set things up, he's using framing, storytelling, all the things that make what he is up there. Dude's got a plan. He's been doing the same thing. If you go watch him, he's saying the same stuff he said 20 years ago, 30 years ago. He's just refined it because he's gotten practice. And practice only comes when we go, I'm going to go try. I'm going to go get out there and, and get it done. And then people have to understand how to fail because it's going to be hard and my mentor always used to say that he played basketball at the university of utah i played for rick majerus and rick majerus used to always say practice is ugly like you don't come to practice and it's all pretty and like if you've ever been to a rick majerus practice i've only heard of it and it was nasty and he was nasty hmm. and he was pushing and he was in there saying things that that woke these kids up when they were like not performing at the level he knew they could but it was ugly practice and so my mentor instilled that in me is like practice is ugly so anytime i got a chance dude i got a chance <laughs> i'll tell you my first public speaking opportunity like i'd been trying to get like a, a real chance my mentor's wife goes into labor 
he's I'm on the road with him, and he's like, I got to go home. Someone's got to give the thing tomorrow. So he leaves you there <laughs> by like, yourself. So he called me at 2 in the morning. He's like, dude, you got to get the thing. I'm like, I'm ready, bro. Let's do it. So I woke up. I got ready. I, mean, I took a couple hours to get prepped. I woke up, went and did it. On the way home from the airport, I get a call from the owner saying, hey, man, you want a team next week? I was ready, bro, because I'd practice and practice. I took every chance I got. I would take introductions and take that moment and, and introduce the speaker in a way where I was trying to do better than I did the last time because I knew that practice was ugly, but if I kept practicing, I would get to the point where I was able to perform at a higher level every single time, and it, oh, man. I'm just so grateful for that, like that piece of advice that he gave me of just, he, he literally told me, he goes, go join a network marketing company and then go start pitching people. And I'm like, dude, network marketing is the grossest business. Like literally, like I don't love that. I'm sorry for anyone that, that doesn't, I've done that. I understood it. I, I did it well. And man, it's not my business model. I get it, but it's not the business model I want to be in, but, but it gave me practice. And, you know, there's things that you really want to understand about getting rejected from the audience to learn how to not have that feeling again. Because if you've ever, like I, I did 5,000 presentations that were cold audience. They didn't know me. They didn't have, I didn't have no, any credibility with them, mostly because I couldn't speak English like I did right there. But no, I, uh, I didn't have credibility because <laughs> they didn't know who I was. So as I was speaking to them, I had to build a rapport immediately where they were connected with me but that I also had authority about what I was doing and build credibility through the process. And by the end of that like process, I saw what it took to, to engage an audience when things went wrong. Because when you do it that many times, you know what a donut means? A donut means there was a crowd of people and you sold zero. And that was my metric. My metric was 100 people in the room, I'm going for 50 buyers. 50%, that's a commission I was, I was going for as a speaker. Like I was literally, when I started speaking, I was in it for the money. Mm. Like I'm, I'm honest about that with people. Like, that's how it started. That's, that's how it started, dude. I, I saw what my mentor made. I'm like, dude, you can make 10 grand in one week. Are you kidding me? You can make $5,000 on one speech. Are you serious? I was like, I gotta learn this thing, man. So I, I really, I got into it for that. And it was f fun to get paid like that. It really helped put perspective on things for me because when I look out into an audience and I go, I could literally make $10,000 in two hours. That's, that's a feeling that not a lot of people get where they can do that. So I wanted to develop that skill because I was like, man, look at what you can do. I, I was not afraid to say like, I want to be able to build wealth, man. I want to make money. I want to build a retirement. I want to have properties. I want to do all of that stuff because I, I wasn't afraid of the idea of money. I knew that with that, that created great opportunity to, to do good things. Learning at a young age, making money also meant responsibility and other things. Dude, what a lesson to learn at a young age. Because I was 25, making a lot of money, and suddenly I had to really learn who I was. And that didn't go that well for a while, man. Like, not well. And it's easy to look back now because I have gratitude for how hard I tried to always do the right thing and always be the best person I could be. Man, did I make some mistakes too? <laughs> we have them all in our past. Yeah, yeah. And well, I'm gonna say there's not one founder that's been on the podcast that hasn't said, "Hey, I've made all the mistakes in the book." Almost. Yeah. So it's it's common. Yeah. And gosh, I go all over the place because I'm a speaker, but I'm used to like just going. And so, as I think about that, and I think about founders that are young and that hit it, like I literally. I, I just reached out to a founder that had got, uh, I think they raised three and a half or 3.2 million in like a, I don't know what round they were on, like series A or whatever. That doesn't sound right. Um, C round. So uh, there, when you get that, money fattens you up real fast, you know, and it, it creates bad habits sometimes for people. It creates bad synergies. It creates bad relationships sometimes a loss of freedoms in certain areas where 
you had them before and people react and they go all over the place with their life. And I consider myself a holistic business uh, influencer. Like I give events that are holistic in nature where people can learn healing habits for business owners so that they, when they're in that space where things aren't going well, they have tools for their mental health, where they have tools to help them. Because I've been there, man. I've been at the bottom of the barrel many times. Like, it doesn't just happen once. And I think, dude, I'm 43. I've had so many ups and downs, and I'm 43. I'm just looking at my future going, let's enjoy the roller coaster at this point. You know, because when you're, when you're a founder, when you're an entrepreneur, you try. Trying is hard. And sometimes it's easier to just give up and go be a job guy, you know. But that trying, that effort level is something that you got to really have as a founder. You know, so I've learned that in my, in my nature is the ability to just try constantly and to just move things forward in my, in my life and in my business. And I couldn't do that if I didn't have tools to benefit my own mental health. I'm out riding my one wheel, and I know we joke about it. It's like, oh, the one wheel. It's cool. It's sitting right there. How I, you don't know how much that thing, like, means to my life. I, I spend, when I'm on a call, I pace. I don't know if anyone else does that. I, I can't sit and just be on a call and just be, like, passive. I'm like. How I get my steps in every day. <laughs> yeah. So we're pacers. I jump on that one wheel, and I ride. You know, I get around. Uh, you know, I spend my time. But I can't text. I can't grab my phone and look at social media. I can't look at emails. I can't check WhatsApp for what what's going on with some of the work projects. I can't check, you know, any of the project management tools. I can't do anything except be on the phone with someone or have a relationship with a human being. And how often do we have that now? Where we actually have a real relationship where we're talking to people, you know, or I'm able to be you know, listening to a podcast or just being there, you know, with myself, that aspect of my mental health, I had to learn how to do because dude, Jake, when's the last time you took time for yourself? Honestly, I, I actually am really good at this. Good. So good. like, that's why Brian gives you a hard time. Cause for me, I have to catch air on my mountain bike or my snowboard or like something. I have to do something crazy. Cause I'm the same way as you. I like, I get really antsy if I'm not outside in the sun doing something. So winters are hard for me, but yeah. Uh, so when was the last time I did something for myself this weekend? Good. Yeah. What about you? Um, it's been a minute. So yeah, this is good for me to hear. I like, I like, you this. should probably get AJ on your one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go try it. No, right man. Now. Is he as dangerous as you? <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> no, I have a little bit more restraint. I like to live my life pain-free. He's smart. Yeah. He's smart. No, I That's don't know about that, is. but, um, <laughs> No, it's so true. I mean, uh, we talk about this a lot on the show, work-life balance, right? And I heard something. In fact, I read something just the other day that really impacted me from Nate Randall, CEO of Gap Wireless, right? And he said, you know, I, work-life balance, I'm never going to hit it. He says it's just really hard. And he's, he's, he said it's almost a myth. But he says what I do is sit down with my kids and my wife each week and say what is the most important thing you're doing this week that I need to be at? And that's non-negotiated. And I, I'm there mm, at that thing that. every week. And then he works like crazy, right? And I thought, did he? Call I like the, that. Did he call them the non-negotiables? Non-negotiables. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Did you read I, that one too? Dude, I loved that post. I thought it was incredible. It was, and it got some great traction. But yeah. I was like, that's maybe that's a better work-life balance tactic than just trying to have half your time working and half your time with family because it just doesn't really work that way. Here, here's the way I found it. So, as a speaker, the room <laughs> that I've been in my whole career is a room of entrepreneurs. I've always been talking to entrepreneurs. And as I've done that, the conversation that they have with me is I'm in pain. I want answers. I want solutions. Give me a journey. Give me a path. Tell me what to do. My response is always that there's multiple journeys for every individual that they, or, or for every, everyone to kind of choose from. And so knowing what the options are, knowing what you can do, and then making your own choice is the journey I'm trying to help them take. I'm not here to say this is what works for you because that one wheel right there, that should not be ridden by m most people. And that's the honest truth because it's not a toy. People get on it and go, oh, I want to try it. I'm like, dude, you don't know, man. People tear <laughs> their knee almost, 
on a repeated basis, this happens when people try to do this because they don't know how to get off. You have to jump off with two feet. And so you don't get off with one and you're welcome everybody for that. <laughs> there's and the short, clip. there's the tip of you the day. You don't get off a one wheel with one foot. <laughs> ever, ever get off a one wheel with one foot. Never forget. Oh, yeah. I love that. So, but, but you, you have to teach that because that's my version of it. I have other versions. Like I've, my wife and I for a very long time were really focused on fitness for like five, six years. That's like the only thing we did. And it was like developing our body and learning how to do, you know, new movements and learning new routines and new ways to shock our body into more cardio and more strength and bigger muscles and all that stuff. And, you know, people like from those times see me now and they're like, man, Robbie, like you're shriveling, you're getting so skinny. Like, what would it, how would you feel if I walked up to you and said, man, you're getting fat? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. skinny shaming too, man. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here, I'm Stop sitting here going, shaming. gosh, thanks, bro. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is I just don't put that much emphasis on those things because I've tried a lot of things and I found my journey is to go my way, which is not to work out six days a week for an hour, sometimes twice a day. It's to go three to four times a week for an hour and I hit it hard. And so I stay in good shape. I'm always flexible. I can do the splits. You know, like I'm, I, I do that because I want a limber body for the rest of my life so I can ride my one wheel and have that type of peace. Because I was the 12-year-old kid who was waking up at 6 a.m. to go to the gym with his dad because I love dad time and I loved the opportunity to spend my time with my dad and I wanted to be just like him and my dad was working out. So I've, I've worked out almost every day of my life since I was 12. It's just what I do. That's cool. And so I love that practice routine that he developed because that's what got me to the speaking place, you know, because once my mentor said practice is ugly, I was like, oh, this is like baseball. This is like taking ground balls and taking them off the face, you know, and off the finger. Look at my finger, dude. It's like totally crooked, right? I got all these like injuries from practice because practice is ugly and you get that you know, that happens, but you learn how to get through that and, and get better. And that's, you know, for going back to mental health, because I want to swoop back around, because I think it's so important that I mention that, because I do these, these holistic events, like one a month, we do breath work, we do meditation and stuff like that, just to give people tools so they can have the ability to practice. As like a retreat style thing? or how? Well, like the last one we did, I mean, they're small, man. Like I, I just, we have like 30 or 40 people that show up. Sometimes they're free. Sometimes they cost a little bit, you know, and people show up and we teach breathwork techniques that like people may have ne never heard of before and they can use them like in the middle of the day. And, you know, now they've got that stressful moment where the entrepreneur is like, how am I going to hit payroll? And that moment is so hard. Oh, man. When you know your other people, oh, so hard. When you have breath work and you know how to do it, you pull yourself back and you go, damn, it is hard. But I got to keep going. I got to keep moving. And as I do, I'm going to find a way because I'm not the kind of person that's going to let it get me down. That's a practice. So there's breath work. I just did it right there, man. Like I was literally like getting to that moment where I was interviewing my client, Steven, yesterday. And he was talking about payroll for 30 people he had to meet in two days. And he had nothing. And I'm like, dang, dude, what a weight that we carry as founders, as, as entrepreneurs, that we don't really discuss as much as we, we might need to. I remember the very first time I ever saw another mentor of mine, his name is Stan Merrill, and I hope he'll be okay with me sharing this. He was on a company-wide call. I never saw him get emotional. He was so just like, by the book, Yale, NFL, TV, like he, everything he did, he did well. In front of the whole thing right after COVID, he had to lay off like 300 people maybe. And to see that moment for him, Oh, I, I got it. I feel like I got it at that point of like going, do I really want to do this? Like, do I want to get that big? Do I want to build that big of a thing and take that weight on me? Or do I want to let someone else do that? Because when we're choosing the CEO role, when we're choosing the role of I'm going to be in charge and we want to go large, we have to develop. We have to say, what are the things that are hard that I can't do now that I can do tomorrow? 
But if I just keep working, I can get there. And that is our mental health, our giving space for ourselves, you know, our taking care of the people around us, our spouse, the, you know, the children, you know, they're around us, they're our responsibility. And as a founder, it's so easy to put the business as the focal point because we got to get this thing going. Otherwise, all this stuff falls apart. And yet, as true as that really is, because it is the case in a lot of cases, there are things that we can do over here and being better spouses, being better parents that we can learn to do over here that will make all of this work better. Simple communication skills with our spouse. Simple communication skills that we can learn that, as I say it as a speaker, I learned 20 years ago when my mentor sat me down and said, learn this, do this, do this. Because if you're a speaker and standing in front of an audience, a lot of times the message you have is a high-level message that they've never heard before, and that is no different than talking to a child. We've got to learn how to deliver a message that matches the needs of our audience and as a parent, that's the same thing we do. I use the same exact things that I was doing on stage to help motivate my kids. And I, I'm not saying I'm the perfect father. I'm not saying that I'm the perfect husband. I am saying I am trying for that. And I'm looking at everything I do there and saying, what can I do to be better while I still make sure and focus on the main thing and get the business going? Yeah, that's cool. It's cool that you've been able to draw parallels because I think it's important to kind of bring in those skills that you're gaining and, and find a way to apply those at home. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I think if we don't do that, then it makes learning the skills feel like almost less necessary. They're like, I'll just hire a CRO. I'll just hire a VP of sales. I'll put them in front. It's like, yes, but if you're a CEO, you're going to have to be able to do this. You're going to have to get on a podcast at some point and converse hopefully like it's the midnight founders podcast the midnight founders podcast at some point you should get on the midnight if they'll let you they only let, like do you know who they put on this podcast <laughs> oh man like as i heard we just recently <laughs> that jaron erickson was jaron here yeah, We're yeah. The, the you iron heard right man? the <laughs> iron man <Yeah. laughs> the one and only that's right <laughs> you no. thought i was gonna go to me there i almost did but i went with jaron erickson <laughs> instead so that's no awesome. but you know these are these are things that we're gonna have to learn as a ceo when we're raising capital when we're negotiating contracts when we're dealing with our uh, you know training and onboarding our teams like that's group think that's get the team going that's like rile the troops it's like it's get get a team moving forward and you know no business runs with one person like it just if you you know a sustainable business that grows there's moving parts throughout where good communication skills which is all this is it's all public speaking is good communication skills people say why do you do that when you speak why do you do things like a pre-question phrase for example if I'm in an audience of people, I use a pre-question phrase before I ask a question to make sure that they know I'm going to ask a question so that anyone's not a paying attention, I'm going to cue them up really fast. And it sounds like this, like if I'm trying to get a hand raised. By raise of hands, we all know how to do this. It's not like this rocket science, you know, but I got a million ways to do it. I'm curious to see how many people are interested in this. Let's take a quick poll here. Like I could just keep going on this. Those pre-question phrases that you do, then let them know I'm going to ask a question. And you get a better response just because all you're doing is raising awareness. People think it's like some like trick. No, it's just like learn how to ask a pre-question phrase. You're going to get a better response. So if you ask the question, how many of you here, by raise of hands, would love to have a founder like me that has energy like this to be able to drive your investments? Who would love to have that? Raise your hands. Now I get a bunch of investors. Sorry about that. Now I get a bunch of investors raise their hand where if I would have just goes, how many of you love to be investors with me? Terrible question, no response. Maybe there were four or five people in the room that were like, I would love to, but they didn't raise their hand and then they went, oh, nobody? Never mind, I'm not interested. We've got to learn these, these small moments as, as a CEO because we're going to be in that situation. So how do you, <clears throat> I mean, I think, I think about like the, the chances I've had to get on stage and, uh, and I, I'm not great at it. 
And so I kind of struggle through it sometimes. And I've, I've practiced in advance and I've done some things like writing out a script and, and kind of practicing that in the mirror. But like, what are some tips or tricks that you have for those founders that aren't necessarily at a point that they're super comfortable on stage, um, but they want to be better at it and they want to prepare for something like this? Well, first of all, understand there's two types of presenting, okay? There's stealth presenting, which means they don't, your audience is, like you have a plan and your audience might be aware of it, but the other form of presenting is click commentary where you just click and read the slide. Stealth presenting is I know the slide is there, but I'm going to be continuing my presentation. We have to learn how to not use the slide to guide us, but we guide the slides. Okay, so that's like one thing. If you want to get to that place, you have to know what you're talking about. You have to know how to make transitions. People don't look at this slide transition from one moment to the next and go, how do I make that effectively? They usually just go, okay, and let's talk about the problem really quick. And the problem is this. How many times have we heard that? Where they didn't go, and so what our business really understood is there was a need in the market, and there was a big demand for that need. And with one tweak, we were able to create a business that solved that problem click and then they start getting there so we can draw in i'm sorry i just made that up right now i just do these ad libs but when we, great when we when we have that moment as an entrepreneur all we have to do is design the transition but people don't think of that transition so we have to think of our presentation that we give like from a to z and we've got to create a nice flow through the process if we can think of it in those terms like it's on a timeline we can go okay where is everything at and it makes it a lot easier for us to follow through. I was just at a pitch event just last week, and I'm going to reveal, but I won't say who it was. And we were putting the pitch together as the pitch was about to be given. How many times has that happened where someone's sliding their slide? Okay, what should we do here? And what should we do here? I, I started talking to him, and I didn't know their product, didn't know anything about it, but I didn't ad lib like that. And he goes, hey, maybe you can just give this for us. <laughs> Bro, it's not like my thing. You know, I'm not here to do your thing. I'm here to just... This really is quickly. your company, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I literally had five minutes with him because I was like running to an appointment. He's like, hey, we got to give this thing. Can you come down? I was already there. I talked to him. Really great guys. They had a plan, but the plan was still still being guided at that point. And it's like, this is, okay, if this is your practice, it's going to be ugly and that's okay. Get footage, get audio. Okay, so here's your tips. Every time you speak, every time you speak as a founder, get video or audio. If you don't do that, then you can take all the thoughts that you want from everyone in the crowd and they're going to tell you, oh, I loved it and you're great. And it's, you're going to get these butterflies like I did great. And you go, well, how do you know? Well, because people told me. People are liars. They aren't going (laughs) to give you real feedback. Sometimes they will. And then the real feedback that you get comes in and you go, okay, yeah, and I think I said this. I'm not really sure. I might have said this, but how do I do it different? Then they try to have a great memory for the thing they want to make a change on. It's like nice metrics. What is this? Like we're founders. We, we need all our metrics. got to have the numbers out in front of us. Same thing with every pitch we have. But people go, what do I measure on my metrics? I don't That's really, know. really good point. It's like, well, get the audio, get the video. So here's once you get that, watch the video with no sound. And watch your body language. Huh. Because if you do that, you go, all right, there's 60% of it. <laughs> because it's not the words, man. It's not just the words. People try to get the words right. And it's like, I got to get the words right. It's like, I'm going to say this. Oh, yeah, how are you going to say it? What's your face going to look like? Are you going to be like this, <laughs> like I'm doing? Or are you going to be like this? And you've got some, you know, like, like what is the face that you're going to do when you do it? Because they go, why, well, God, I know what I'm going to say. Oh, cool, you know what I'm going to say? There's a study that showed that it was 7% with interactions with people. 7% of the interaction was judged based on the exact words we used. The other 93% were tonality, body language, you know, the the way the energy felt. The nonverbal. Nonverbal communication. And it's like these these things. And so I watch founders and they sit back. I wish I could stand up and like show the like body language because like I love to teach this stuff. But uh, you know, like they'll they'll have just the worst body language. And the name of my business is posture. And so partly like I get pegged for good posture when I sit in chairs because like I'm not doing it now because I'm tired. But like I'll I'll typically do this. And it's not that's not what posture means to me. Posture means that I have something of value. 
and I have an audience of people that want what I have to offer. And I'm detached from whether or not they want it from me because I know so well that what I have is good that I don't need what they have. Other people will come to me because my value is good. That's posture. Stand tall in your own shoes, knowing what you have is good. What if every founder stood on stage that way and they were standing up there going, this is what I got. Now it's different than the guy going, this is what we have and we've got a great team and these, you know, this is our forecast. Like, get your chest up, man. Stand up, do the Care Bear stare. Get your chest out. Let us see who you are so that we actually see your posture and your strength. Because if you can't do that, what happens when you can't meet payroll and you got to figure out how to raise money by calling CB Vault and going, how do I get money right now? <laughs> you know? Because there's moments as founders where you got to act that fast. And if you can't figure out how to have that strength with the product that you have, why are you doing this? Like love what you're doing, love what you've got an opportunity to do or don't do it because it's going to get really hard at some point. And how are you going to react at that point? Not everybody should be in that moment, man. Some people should just go, Never mind. I'm, that's not for me. And you know what? We should not make those people feel bad for not wanting to be entrepreneurs. But we should also not make people feel bad for saying, I don't care if I'm, I've got nothing right now. I'm going to still go. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep moving because I believe in my product. I believe in my idea. That's posture. Yeah, I love that. We ha I had a call this week with a founder, and I, I didn't have great news for him. Uh, but their reaction was exactly that. It was like, look, there's going to be a way to figure this out. Like, how do we get there? And so because what they wanted to do was impossible for us but they were like okay well that's fine but let, let's find a solution and so they solving. just moved straight through it like it was you know their ability to take a no and turn it into that ain't that channel was a no but maybe there's another channel that's a yes and let's figure it out together like it made me take a second look at it and and we're still working on what that next channel could be but i think there's options where it would have been really easy for me to say no to that channel and that founder just take that no and just walk away with it. Man, that's, I, I equate that to good feedback. Like you're giving them good feedback. Hey, right now this doesn't work. And so the founder's opportunity is to go, I'm going to take that feedback and I can go A or B. I can use the feedback as a thing that I'm going, yeah. or I can go, I'm going to use this thing for something where I can move forward. I better do a word so that I can actually, because nobody can actually see my face, but you can do the, you know, like give up phase or you can go, problem solve. What do I do? What's the, what's the next step of what I could do? And I think when you treat feedback that way with people who truly care, you end up getting referrals to things that are close to that. Yeah. I get that all the time. I was on, I have a, an event in the Dominican Republic, the end of November, and I'm sitting here getting promotion to help, you know, get this event going. And I call this, this guy and I for sure know he's going to let me use his leads to promote this event. It doesn't go well at the end. It's, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't really fit. We got an event. We feel like it's going to compete. And I go, well, who else do you know? You know, what, what other options do we have? Because at that point, it was like, okay, hey, be a referral for me then. Okay, if you're in the lead business, who else do you know that's got leads? I need them right now. Let's get this going because I don't have, a, I don't have an option to go, oh, that makes me feel sad. I got an event in 40 days, man. I got to move. And that's like the entrepreneur spirit that's within the one that goes, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep moving. I think there are a lot of, if you ever read the E-Myth, I, ta I taught E-Myth principles for a long time on stage. And I it was, love it. Yeah, so good. So, you know, you got your technicians, they're in there, they're wearing every hat, they're doing all the things. You got your managers that are kind of, they're in there, they're hiring technicians, but they're in still doing all the stuff where they can't really move away from the business because they're managing the people doing all the work and they wouldn't know what to do without them. And then you get the entrepreneur who puts all the systems in place that lets the managers manage the technicians and now they've got this system well in those emis principles we've got to be able to replace ourselves. we've got to be able to systemize we've got to be able to do the things that remove us from aspects of the business where we can no longer have to do it and if we're thinking on our feet then we're trying to find a solution through the process if we're not we're trying to be a technician that's trying to solve a problem i think a lot of entrepreneurs they're have the entrepreneurial spirit but they're t they're stuck in the technician mode because they're just doing everything and they're they're not able to expand because of that if they're staying there why not just get a job like at that point just get a job doing something else if you're going to do everything because all you do is own your job at that point like do you want to be a job owner that's kind of nice but 
like really a true entrepreneur has to learn how to go. I got to get better. I got to have posture. I got to, you know, problem solve. I got to find solutions all the time. So Robbie, this is, gosh, this is awesome. I mean, so many people need to hear this. Public speaking, I think is a, it's a dying art, right? And, and you're right. I mean, the best CEOs, the best founders, those are the ones that maybe they're not the smartest or they have the most industry knowledge, but they can engage an audience and, and inspire people to, you know, to follow them really and carry out that vision. So um, for the audience, who are, who do you speak for or who are you looking to work with as a presenter? So I've been, I was in presentation mode until about 2016, 2017. And I know I look young. I get that all the time, but I'm 43. And you're really skinny. And I started man. it. I said, and you're really skinny. You're really slim too, Rob. <laughs> hey, there's young shaming as well. And so, uh, no, I, was, uh, I started full-time speaking at 25. And so I spoke full time for 12, 13 years every day, eight to 12 speeches. Sales engagements mostly. Yes. Yeah. Well, there are sales presentations of 30 to 300 people. Sometimes there were trainings, sometimes there were um, keynotes, sometimes there were MC gigs. You know, I just did a lot of speaking. And so we're doing, you know, one to, to many for a really long time. And I did that, created a process, and started coaching because I, I to me, and this is going to sound, interesting to people that don't know me. I think people that know me for the last seven years would realize the shift that I made. I'm really a very different person now than I was when I was speaking full time. And I am focused on impact. And I know as a speaker coach, I get to coach the ones that are doing the impact. So I impact the impactful. That's my role. So I love speaking. I love training. Um, I love doing corporate trainings. Uh, I do those things. You can go to the RobbieLaw.com if you want to find out more about that. Uh, I, I love to coach people that have a really great product, that have a really great message. Sometimes they're early stages because their idea is the product, and they're like, I've got to get this out there. I know it is, and I love working with people at that stage. Uh, and, you know, anyone who is who's got an impact or an influence on an audience and they want to improve that and really create more community. So I work with Instagram influencers. I've got a lot of, in, uh, I work behind the scenes. So I've got uh, you know, a lot of influencers that I work with behind the scenes to help them prepare their message for stage so that as they're doing what they're doing on stage, it's different than what they were doing on Instagram because being on video and being on stage are totally different. And you've got to learn different skills, even though they are very related. So I help kind of draw them out of the influencer world into doing big events and speaking on stage and showing some of them of the, uh, of the strategies that are there. So the people I like, like to work with are people that have really big ideas and they really want to get them out there. Cool. Cool. Love that. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, if is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap it well, up? I do have an event in two weeks. Yeah, and we'll I feel that. like this event is something that anyone who's listening to this would benefit from if they're a CEO or a founder, anybody who's front facing for the company. You know, like you're in the sales message, you're in the video, you're on the stage, you're doing any of those things. You know, executive levels, all those things. I think you guys get it, right? CMO, yeah. CRO, VP of sales managers. That's C suite. Yeah. Typically. So as as those individuals want to engage, I've I'm doing something a bit unique. I've got Stacy Harkey and Matt Mullen that they were with Studio C um, on BYU TV, and they're coming with me to an event at Kiln. It's November eighth. It's at one thirty, and we're gonna go one thirty to five. It is a paid event, and at that event, Matt and State Matt's gonna be teaching what he calls the Big Laugh Method. He's a comedy sketch writer. And so he's got hundreds of millions of views online. He's done over 200 million in marketing ads and stuff. And he's going to help people that are looking to improve getting a laugh out of the audience. So we're going to be talking, showing people how to sell with humor. So if you go to sellwithhumor.com, that's the website. You can go and get registered there. Um, the cost for the training is $199. Uh, if people have an issue with that and they really want to go, I'm the kind of guy that wants you there if you feel like your message is worth being there. So just reach out to me. Do it right through that uh, website or go to um, Robbie, therobbielaw.com. 
It's R-O-B-B-I-E-L-A-W.com. And so Matt's going to be teaching the big laugh method. Stacy Harkey's going to be teaching um, performance, how to, how to actually get on and perform. And the reason I have him do this is if you've ever seen someone get on video and actually have to go record for like Instagram or it's, it's becoming the new marketing method. It's becoming this new way for people to build influence and gather audience and do it organically. And it's working. And if people know how to do it right, they can do it well. So Stacy's going to talk about performance and how to get yourself prepared, how to take multiple takes, how to use your facial expressions in your hands and some of the things that can add to the messaging. And then I'm going to be showing the call to action because it's like the worst thing, man. Like people don't know how to go. Here's where you go next. Like this is the next step. And I, I so I'm going to show a four step process. I've used it over 5,000 times to be able to help people with that call to action. So uh, definitely would love to promote that and have people come out to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be at Kiln and it is going to be Kiln some, Provo or Kiln, Kiln Lehigh. 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 And, and yeah. we plan on doing it at the Kiln um, coming up in December again. Um, we're going to be doing an event out there in Provo as well. So Okay. Uh, we'll put the link in the description for the episode. Thank you. Yeah. Um, appreciate that. We'll do it. What's the, say it again. Sellwithhumor.com. S E L L with humor.com and then to find out more about you it's the robbylaw.com yeah great thank you guys for letting me come here this is so cool robbie it's awesome dude i love to be able to just talk and be able to actually do this because i actually have a podcast myself and i would love for both of you well let's give a shout out on I, that podcast well the podcast is in development i've got about 10 episodes recorded i'm going to get to 20 i'm kind of the guy that wants to get it prepped and get it ready so that should be happening soon too but it'll be the robbie law podcast i figured my name is pretty easy to remember at this point, I, I get this from people. They tell me that. And so I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll just keep it that way. And so I'm doing that. And I talk to speakers and anyone who's up on stage so we can talk about some of the things that you want to do better. So that you, you can help you remember my name. I can help you remember your name. That'd be great. I can show you a little wordplay yeah. with that. So, yeah, <laughs> some good stuff. But thank you again. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, awesome. Robbie. Thanks. Yeah. Take care. Take care. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And RevRoad is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.